0: You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. I'm up here speaking this morning, and if you have never met me before, that uh, my name is Butch, which uh, so far that's like, if the pastor here is is so none of us go by our real names, but... Uh, mulch either and I don't know who else, right? And there's probably a story behind it that you don't want to hear. Riz and Zoe and the kids are in California visiting family and um, I think that it's been more than a year since they've been able to get back there to uh, visit family. So we're, uh, you know, Praying that the Lord blesses them and Riz cannot be stressing over there. Worrying about what we're doing over here this Sunday. So when he comes back, please everybody tell him everything went excellent without him. So each time that I get up here and, uh, you know, I usually uh, get, now I got to figure out where to put this thing. Kind of like, okay. The, uh, Riz asked me to do it, you know, hey, would you share? And uh, I always say yes. And then later, after I say yes, then I'm like, why did I say yes? (laughs) And uh, just considering getting in front, but there is an aspect of getting in front of everybody here that I really like. And I really enjoy talking about the Bible. And the scriptures and it, I realize this time as I have many times before that it seems like the message that I give is the message that I need to hear. Okay, and I'm not sure Riz how, when he gets up here, but I can tell you after studying for this and looking at it so many different ways, I've learned a lot and, and maybe this message is mainly for me. As seems like each one that I give is. And uh, so bear with me today as we go through Mark chapter 9. And I'm going to read through verses 2 through 13. Mark chapter 9. We've been going through the gospel of Mark. Starting from verse 2. It says, six days later. And uh, if you have a new living, which is what? Riz normally uses, this is the New American Standard. Okay, so uh, just follow along. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his garments became radiant and exceedingly white as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer, for they became terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the clouds, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one with them anymore except Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, he gave them orders not to relate to anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man rose from the dead. They seized upon that statement, discussing with one another what rising from the dead meant. They asked him, saying, Why is it that the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he said to them, Elijah does come first and restore all things. And yet, how is it written that the Son of Man, that he will suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I say to you that Elijah has indeed come, and they did to him whatever they wished, just as it is written of him. And let's pray, Lord, I do ask that uh, you would help me, Lord, as we go through these scriptures, that you would open up each one of our hearts, Lord, that we could learn more and more and more of you. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Okay, uh, last week, Riz covered uh, the last part of chapter eight, and uh, what I'm doing is kind of stealing his points that he made last week. Because I, th- I'm, you know, seeing that, to me, that it's a continuation of Riz brought, what Riz brought up last week, and the point he made that I'm gonna continue with this week is one that is Jesus' true identity. So it's kind of the transfiguration we'll see is kind of like a a further revelation of who Jesus is. And the second thing is Jesus' true mission. And the third thing is how this will help us in our walk. In verses 2 through 4, it says that six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them high up a mountain to be alone. And as they watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking to him. So Jesus specifically takes Peter, James, and John up there. And I was writing a little, uh, reading a little commentary on the book of Mark and he was saying there, the guy was saying that Mark is kind of like intentional. He makes a lot of references to time. Okay? So he says here that six days later, being something specific. So Mark is going, okay, look, shortly after. So what Riz covered last week was actually six days. This thing is six days later from that. Plus he says, Peter, James, and John, Jesus purposely takes them alone, apart from everybody else. He takes them up there, which tells me that it's important that these guys are going to see what's going to happen up there. Okay, and one of the other gospels says that that Jesus went up there to pray. And uh, actually, true to form, it says there that um, they fell asleep. Okay, and if you remember, actually, these three same guys, Jesus took them in the Garden of Gethsemane. So the 12 went up there, or the 11, because uh, uh, what's his name? Judas was kind of sold out to the other guys. And he takes the 11 up there. Then he takes Peter, James, and John um, further into the Garden, where, if you remember that story, that they fall asleep over there also. So, um, Late at night, and they had a hard time staying away. So, but Jesus intentionally takes them, okay? What they are gonna see is what? Jesus transformed before them. And one of the commentaries, I like the way that the guy put it here that Jesus' outward appearance changed representative of his true inward nature. And that's one of the, my points today is that what? That for these three guys, that they got to see Jesus. Now, they're with Jesus night and day, okay? Seven days a week. But they're seeing Jesus in his fleshly body. Okay, and they've seen... Other things, kind of glimpses of where Jesus, remember not that long ago, Jesus was walking on the water. Okay, and then they also saw Jesus in, you know, some of his divinity doing what? Not that long ago, again, we covered the feeding of the 5,000 and Jesus multiplying the fish and the loaves. Before that, we saw Jesus doing what? Casting out demons. So they've seen Jesus in his divinity up to a certain point. And this is kind of like a little more of a revelation to them. And uh, it says in Matthew chapter 17 about this same uh, scripture here, but a little different Kind of approach. He says there that Jesus' face shone like the sun and his garments became white as light. Okay, so if you can picture that, right, Jesus goes on up ahead a little bit and he changes the way that he normally looks. Okay, and in that, it's just that, it's not like his face changed or it's just the brightness came out of him. In 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 it says here there that this is the message that we have heard from him that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So Jesus gets up there and a more revelation of his true divine nature in Colossians chapter 1 verse 19. It says for God in all his fullness was pleased To live in Christ. And again in Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. It says for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in human form. So what are they saying? When Jesus was on this earth. In him. God completely lived. All the power. All the glory. Everything was in Jesus. And up on the mountain. This is what's coming out. Okay, up to a certain point. Now the point that I want to make, and I think the point that Jesus was trying to get to them, was that he was fully God. Okay, so it wasn't like Jesus was lower and then God's up here. That when he was on earth, everything of God was in him. That he was God. And also, as we read last week, that he was the Messiah. Okay, and when I was studying, I'm thinking about all these things, and I'm going, wow, that's heavy. Right? That the Messiah, remember last week, Jesus asked uh, the disciples, well, who do people say that I am? Then he asked them a second time, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers What? That you are the Messiah. Okay? But there was more to that. Why? Because the Messiah is God. Which maybe sounds, but what did Jesus say after in talking to Peter? He shares that, you know what? That he, in a little while, is going to be... What? He's gonna suffer. He's gonna be rejected by the religious leaders. He's gonna be killed, and in three days rise again. Okay, the Messiah. I was going, yeah. Okay, the Messiah sounds cool. Like who? Who wouldn't? You know what I mean? Like volunteer to be the Messiah. Yeah, I want to be the Messiah. But that second part about him suffering and dying and everything, you go like, wait a minute. But what's really amazing about this is that the Messiah is God. God came down according to the Bible, according to the gospel. God is the one who is going to die, we know, in our place. Pretty amazing. It says here... And and I'm going to read the, the version in Luke also. Because it says here in this vision that Moses and Elijah also appeared together with Jesus. Luke chapter 9 verses 30 and 31. It says, and behold, two men were talking to him. And they were Moses and Elijah who appeared in glory. Who were speaking to Jesus about Jesus' departure or his exodus which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. So not only Moses and Elijah was there, that they were talking to Jesus, and what they were talking about, Luke says, was what? The very thing that in the last chapter Jesus said was going to happen. That he was going to suffer, that he was going to be rejected, that he was going to be killed, and three days later he's going to be resurrected. This is what he was talking about to Moses and Elijah. This is Jesus' true mission. That he came and he did all those other things, if you remember, the miracles, a lot of healing. And interesting, in my commentary, he said that Mark, the gospel of Mark was kind of geared towards the non-Jews. And that's why he put in so many of the miracles that Jesus did, a lot of the healings, that a lot of them were there to kind of catch the attention of people that didn't grow up in the church. and But those things only proved what? All of Jesus' miracles, if, if you have a Bible like mine and where it says that he did a miracle, What it literally means is an attesting miracle. That Jesus did those miracles to show one thing that what? That he is God and that he is the Messiah. And most of those miracles were miracles that they knew, the Jewish guys, that when the Messiah comes, this is what he's going to do. Okay? And Mark puts them here. But... At the same time, what's happening when we're listening to all those things, walking on the water and multiplying the loaves and the fishes, casting out demons, healing all kinds of people, sometimes what can happen, that might be a distraction to Jesus' true purpose and his true mission. That Jesus came, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son... Right To do what? To die. For us in our place. That was Jesus' main mission. Can you remember in our story last week. Where he was talking about uh, Peter. And Peter answers correctly. About Jesus asking me. Who, uh, who am I? And Peter says you're the Messiah. And then when Jesus starts telling him. Okay you're right. I'm the Messiah, and I'm telling you now. And it says there in the Bible that Jesus was speaking plainly to them. So Jesus was telling them straight up, this is what's going to happen not long from now. Right? That he was going to suffer, be rejected by the religious leadership, killed, and then on the third day rise again. And what does Peter say in response to that? Right. The Bible says in chapter 8, it says that Peter takes Jesus on the side and rebukes him. Okay? So Peter, and you know what? One of the things that I learned that I'm a lot like Peter. That when it's probably wise to shut your mouth, then that's when you're going to say something. (laughs) And what happens is that He takes Jesus like, Jesus, come here, let me me just talk to you for a moment. Like all that stuff about dying and, no, no, don't, you know what I mean? Don't be saying that, right? Why is he, he's correcting Jesus for one thing, right? On one moment, he's telling Jesus, you're the Messiah, and in the next moment, he's taking him on the side and telling him, hey, you, you don't know what you're talking about. You're going to lose followers. You know what I mean? It's like not happening. Look, if I'm you, I would just lose that whole talk right there. Don't be talking. You're like the Messiah. That's not Messiah talk right there. <laughs> right? Now, what does that mean? When I'm reading that, I'm going, okay, look. Peter answered correctly, "You're the Messiah, but you know what? Peter had no idea what that meant. Peter, did Peter really believe that Jesus was the Messiah and Jesus was God? Right? Would you take God on the side and tell him, "Look, uh, I don't think you know what you're doing in this situation. Look, just listen, I help you out here, and, and we'll just get through this whole thing real nicely. Okay. It just shows that Peter didn't have a full grasp and maybe that's why Jesus six days later takes him and tries to give him a more accurate picture of who he really is. Moses and Elijah are up there and in Israel, Moses, and Elijah are held pretty highly. Okay, and here they are here meeting with Jesus. Real interesting. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. It says here that for God was in Christ, reconciling people to him, no longer counting people's sins against them. That Christ came himself for our reconciliation to him. Moses and Elijah represent the law and the prophets. So in Moses' story, God used Moses as his spokesman, if you saw the movie, and the leader in God's for. The leader in God's deliverance and redemption of the Hebrew nation that was enslaved in Egypt. The Passover, if you know about that, was also introduced to Moses to pass on to the children of Israel. Also, one more thing, the Ten Commandments and the law. All of these things came through Moses. So pretty big deal. Elijah was the great prophet sent during Israel's, one of Israel's apostasies. And something of note about Elijah was that he did not die, but was the Bible says he was translated into heaven. In chariots of fire. Okay, so two guys, no lightweight guys. But in this scripture here, right back in Mark 9, it says there what happens? That after this transfiguration, Peter says to Jesus, "It is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Jesus, one for Moses and one for Elijah, for he did not know what to answer, for they became terrified. Now here's Peter again, not knowing what to answer, but he answers anyway, right? And actually it says there he did not know what to answer, but uh, I read it a bunch of times and I don't see any questions being asked. (laughs) But true to form, Peter speaks up, okay? Peter's incomplete understanding of Jesus' true divinity shows again in this response six days later. So he said, teacher, it is wonderful for us to be here in the New Living Translation. Let us make three shelters as memorials. Tabernacles, sacred tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And basically, what he's saying is, let's er erect three structures. So a tabernacle, back then, Old Testament, in the beginning, it was like a tent. That they could break down and move to another place and erect. Like a church, like if you you met in a church. Right? And then further on, what they did was they got a little more elaborate. There was the temple. They made the temple. Or they had a memorial. And uh, I don't know how many people... uh, have ever been to Israel. Um, but I was amazed the time that I went. That they have. I'm not kidding. A shrine or a church. For everything. And the Mount. Uh, the Mount Sermon on the Mount. There's a full on. Um, what do you call those churches? Like the fancy ones. Yeah. Cathedral. Yes. 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 Like everywhere you go. You know Jesus stopped here. There's a cathedral there. Like everywhere. And and now that I'm thinking about it. It's all Christian stuff. And they build a monument or some sort of thing everywhere. You know just interesting. And uh, so Peter is saying let's. Erect these three structures, tents, tabernacles, memorials, cathedrals, in, you know, honor of you, Moses, and Elijah. He's saying, look, this place is so special, and look, we're all here together. You know, like, kind of like a little group hug thing. And it's like you and Moses and a lot, of, this like doesn't happen all the time. This is a special place. And maybe even he was saying that, you know, maybe it is that he was saying, look, let's just camp up here. This is amazing. You know, I'm here, Peter's going, and then you guys are here. Let's just stay here. They're not gonna get any better than this. He's like in glory. And this is where God intervenes and a cloud comes through and God the Father the bible says that he says this is my beloved son listen to him or literally give constant heed to him now what do you think god is saying when it looks here that you know a peter in his excitement in the moment is saying that Look, this is super cool. And Moses is big time, Elijah's big time, and Jesus, you are almost there. <laughs> right? You're like almost there. Peter's mistake is what? That he is putting Jesus in the same on the same plane, on the same level as Moses and Elijah. God steps in and sets things straight. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 24, about Moses, Therefore the law is our tutor or our teacher to lead us to Christ, so that we may be justified by faith. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16 says, A person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus. The purpose of the law was to show us our need for a Savior, in that we could not keep it perfectly. That there's always something, how hard we try, that we fail. Right? We get angry or impatient. We're unforgiving. We're selfish. All those things. And that's why we need a Savior. Because we fall short. And by knowing that, the Bible says that the law would help us, help lead us to Christ. Because we would see our need for a Savior. Which many of us have. Now the prophets, the prophets prophesied of what? Of the coming Messiah. And not just the coming Messiah, they said many things about him. They said one of the things was that his name would be Jesus. How awesome is that? A lot of the things that he did, they prophesied. So both of those things, the law and the prophets did what? That they pointed, that they foretold about Jesus coming. And his mission on earth. That's what they were doing. And the whole, that's actually the whole of the Bible. Pointing towards Jesus. And after the gospel, everything points back towards him. John chapter 1 verse 9 says, For, uh, for the law was given through Moses... Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In John 4 24, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So for us, just maybe kind of a side note, because this John 1 9 is really interesting that the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, what a choice that we have. The law or grace and truth? And some people pick the law, amazingly. But it sounds like a lot better choice to pick Jesus and grace and truth. God is confirming that Jesus is over all. And what does he say? To listen to him. Why is it important to us and what should we do in response to what we have just covered? Okay, we know one thing. What? That Jesus is God and Jesus is the Messiah. Okay? The second thing here, let me look at my notes, is Jesus' true mission was to do what? To be to die in our place, to make a way for us To get to him. By faith in him. After studying and looking at this thing. And thinking about it for a couple weeks. Because Riz told me a couple weeks ago about doing it. And one of the things that I saw. That my understanding of who Jesus really is. Just like I was saying about Peter. And the power behind it. That it directly influences my response in my prayer life. In my challenges, my anxieties. How much I walk in victory. How much I am defeated. And the effectiveness of how much God can use me. So what I view of Jesus and who he is. Right? And those of us who are believers and we're going, okay, Jesus lives in me. Right? But that's only based on our view of Jesus. Okay, just like Peter did. He believed that he was the Messiah, but incompletely. And I I thought about it all week that my faith, our faith, is directly in proportion to how much I understand who he truly is that our faith is directly in proportion to how much I understand who He truly is. Do I believe that Jesus is all-knowing and all-powerful, and that He has me covered, and that He knows what's best in everything that He allows to come into my life? And you are honestly... Speaking, I realize that I don't. My view of who Jesus really is still falls short. Because I still get anxious about situations. Sometimes, like Peter, I'm telling God that he doesn't understand. Right? Just like Peter, maybe I think, just like when they were in a boat, in the storm, and Jesus is in their boat, and they're panicking because the, they're going to drown. And they had an income not knowing that, look, if Jesus is with you, that's as safe as you can be, okay, when all else is falling down around 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says here that you must grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to Him now and forever. Are we growing deeper in our knowledge of Jesus as God and He being superior? And have we given Him control of all areas of our life? And you know what, thinking about that, I kind of thought that, and and this is what I thought it kind of came down to, that can God be trusted, right? I don't know, I'm guessing at least some people here are like me, and a lot of times it comes down to a trust issue. And maybe it means that a lot of times in our anxieties and whatever things, and Us wanting to do it our way. Why? Because we don't trust God's way. Or we don't trust that God has us covered. Right? But you know what? You think of how that is. That lack of trust in God is going to affect everything that you do. Our growing in knowledge of Jesus... His position, His power, and His purpose will directly influence our faith and trust in Him. Directly affect our prayer life. Think of how you would pray if you believed wholeheartedly that Jesus was God and there was nothing He couldn't do. Just like the Bible says. that directly influence our faith and trust in him, directly affect our prayer life, our effectiveness to his kingdom, how would it affect our goals as well as our challenges and affect our service to him and to others? In John chapter 17, verses 1 through 5, this is Jesus' prayer for us. And it says here that Jesus spoke these things and lifting up his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Even as you have given him authority over all flesh, that all whom you have given to him, he may give eternal life. This is eternal life that they, us, may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Now Father glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. This morning I guess my exhortation to you is let's Pray for and seek after a deeper relationship with Jesus. Maybe let's think about it and go, well, look, do I really believe that God is God and that He has all things under control? Do I really believe that in every situation that I have in my life now? And whatever is anybody here, and you don't raise your hand, afraid of the future. Right? If you're like me, you're like, man, things are going good now, but that can't last. Right? Or it is, you know what? But if God is in control, God is in control. That He has everything covered. That He has our best interests always in mind. Let's pray for and seek after a deeper relationship and understanding of Jesus. So much so that our lives will reflect more of Him and less of us. We are sure to do right if we heed the words of God the Father. When He said, this is my beloved Son. Listen to Him. And let's pray. Lord, we... Thank you so much for your word. Lord, that as we look into your word, and it says in your Bible, Lord, that your word is living. Lord, and your word is a sharp sword. Lord, and we do pray that we would apply your word to our lives, every situation. Everything that is going on right now, Lord, and I do lift up anybody here that's struggling. Lord, that they're maybe looking at their situation more than they're looking at you. Lord, and we do acknowledge that you are God. Lord, that all power belongs to you. All things are in your hand. Lord, and that you are a good father. Lord, and we thank you so much for this time together. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.